Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Lackadar Podcast. We are very glad you decided to join us today. Our hope here at Lackadar is that we are more than a podcast, not because of us, but because of God, and that we strive to bring glory to Him because that's the only place where glory is deserved, and that the listeners either come to know Christ if they don't, or built up in their walk with Christ. With that being said, of course, Lackadar does not need to be a substitute for your church body. We pray that you're plugged into a church body and are not letting Lackadar be a substitute for that. But hopefully, Lackadar is helping you in your daily walk. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on our social media pages, which are in the episode description. We hope you enjoy the episode and God uses it. So, today, our word is sanctification. Sanctification. But before we get too deep into that, we'll go ahead and say a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I I thank you for this day, and I just thank you for all you've done for us, God. And just thank you for giving me the ability to be able to do this and the platform to be able to do this, God. Because I know that that's not something you had to do, something you chose to do. Thank you for choosing me. And just please help the listeners that they would hear what you would have them to hear and that you would have me to speak what you would have me to speak, God. Not what I would have to speak, but what you would have me to speak. Because we know, as I say often, that my words can't save God, but your words can. And just... Please help us to love you more, love each other more, and thank you for Jesus, and please help this episode to glorify you above all else, and it's in your name I pray, amen. So as I said, today's word is sanctification, sanctification, and my definition of the word, as we always do, is being made more like Christ. The process of being made more like Christ. Well, the biblical dictionary defines it this way. A process of making holy by separation. And it also defines it as, in the Old Testament, people and places are sanctified. And they're only sanctified because they are reserved to the Lord by the sprinkling of sacrificial blood. So remember that, because we're going to come back to that later. But an important thing is, we cannot be sanctified until we've been saved. So if you're not saved, this doesn't apply to you. Of course, we would love for you to be saved. We would love for you to come to know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But until Christ puts that new heart into you, that new, and you've been saved, you cannot be sanctified. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Until this happens, until that happens, until Ezekiel eleven nineteen as well, and I will give them one heart, and a new spirit I will put within them. 
I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Until that happens, until we've had the law written on our heart, until we've gotten the new heart, until we've been saved, we cannot be sanctified. So, some examples of sanctification are found in mostly the Old Testament, and we see some in the New, but Exodus 19.23, And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. Consecrate and sanctification mean the same thing. So this mountain that God was speaking to Moses on, was so holy that people couldn't even come up and touch it. Because if they came up and touched it, they would die. Because that's where God was speaking to Moses at. And God is so holy that the only person that could be there was Moses. Because that's who God chose to be there. That when people would come and even so much as touch the mountain, they would die because of the holiness of God. We also see that with the days can be set apart as holy. One of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So to sanctify that day, consecrate that day, make it a holy day. There's different schools of thought about should I work on the Sabbath, should I not? And this is not the time or place for that. It's for a different episode or for a different day. I understand some people have to work on the Sabbath. But we're called to keep it holy. Go to church. Worship the Lord. Yes, every day we should worship the Lord, but God set aside that special day for His worship. There's no question of where you should be on Sunday, and it's at church. If you work after church, it's great. But no question of on Sundays you should be in church unless there is some sort of family emergency where you cannot. I believe the Lord understands that. But if you're not in church, if you're just sitting at home or whatever, there's, there's some instances, but Sunday is the day of worship where we should be in the house of the Lord. That is a definite. We also see in Leviticus 20, verses 7 through 8, speaking to the people of Israel, Consecrate or sanctify yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statues and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Israel was a sanctified nation. They were set apart. They were not like other people. They were not like the rest of the people they were around. They were a sanctified, holy nation. We also see that the temple of the Lord is sanctified. Second Chronicles 7.16 For now I have chosen and consecrated this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there for all time. House of the Lord is sanctified. So much so, so much so, that in Daniel chapter 5, verse 2, they were having this big feast, and Daniel says this, Belshazzar, or Daniel, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, not his biological father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem, he brought the, that the king and his lord, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. So the vessels from the temple that Nebuchadnezzar took, they were having this big feast, and Daniel was like, hey, this feast is important. We need some important stuff. So he gets this, the cups commands the cups out of the temple because Babylon, Babylon had just conquered Israel. Nebuchadnezzar is the leader of Babylon. He was throwing this big party. And Daniel said, we need the sanctified things from the sanctified temple. So he gets that. 
That's how sanctified the temple was. That even the cups that God declared be in the temple were sanctified holy and set apart. Moving to the New Testament. We see that God is sanctified. Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's Matthew 6, 9. It's also found in Luke 11, 2. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. We serve a God that's holy. We talked about that a good bit last week. But the God that sanctifies us is himself sanctified. Because there's no way we can be different than God. No way we can, well, we are different than God. There's no way we can be better than God or a step up from God. Because God is sanctified. Just like he sanctifies us. But we too have to work at that sanctification. We'll get to that in a good we'll get to that in a good bit of detail later on. We also see Jesus is sanctified. John chapter 10, verse 36. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world? You are blaspheming, because I said I am the Son of God. Jesus is calling out the people that are saying he's blaspheming God's name. And he said, God sent me into the world. God sanctified me. Are you saying then that I'm blaspheming by saying that? And of course, we know that Jesus was not blaspheming. But the people of this time believed he was. And we know for 100% fact that he's not, that he is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he himself, like the Father, is sanctified and works to sanctify us. Then we see. Jesus and his disciples are sanctified. This is in Jesus' final prayer recorded in John 17, starting in verse 17. Sanctify them. This is him talking to the Father about the disciples. In the truth, your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus was sanctified and he wanted his disciples to be sanctified. This instant, I'm not sure. I think he is specifically talking about the twelve, but I do think I do know that it applies to us too. We too are called to be sanctified. It's not just for that special group of um, James, John, Peter, Andrew, Bartholomew, Thaddeus, so on and so forth. It is for us all. So remember back just a few moments ago. When I said that in the Old Testament, people and places are sanctified and reserved to the Lord by the sprinkling of sacrificial blood. Well, in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says this, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Everything is purified with blood. That's how it was in the Old Testament. Nothing was sanctified without the shedding of blood. Nothing. No that was without a sacrifice of the shedding of blood. There was no purification, no sanctification. Same thing with us. Jesus died and shed blood for us so that we could be sanctified. But that's not the cool part. No, that is the cool part. But being sanctified 
Yes, blood had to be shed. But we see in 1 Peter 1, 2, listen to this, how cool is this? According to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter is writing his letter and he's saying, You've been sprinkled with the blood, so you've been consecrated, you've been sanctified. Through the Spirit, you've been sanctified with the sprinkling of blood. So just like in the Old Testament, how nothing could be sanctified until blood had been shed, nothing can be sanctified without the blood being shed in the New Testament, and even still today. But the blood's already been shed through Jesus. And we've been sprinkled with it. If we've accepted Him as our Lord and Savior. That's why I opened this by saying, if you've not been saved, this doesn't apply to you. Of course, we would love for you to come to know Jesus. And have that blood be shed upon yourself. But until it is, you cannot be sanctified. You can't. So, I found that really amazing. That Peter says, that the Old Testament talks about that. Hebrews says, nothing can be purified without the shedding of blood. And First Peter talks about how we have been had that blood being shed upon us, sprinkled upon us, so we can then be sanctified. Also, we see Ephesians 5.26 says this. This is a passage we use a lot of times in reference to husbands and wives. And it says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. This is talking about Christ in the church. Because we see in 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the blood, with the word. So Christ has sanctified the church. He sanctified the church. But we then have to work for sanctification. It's what happens after salvation, but it's a process of us being made more and more holy. Yes, Jesus does sanctify us, but it's only once we have done the work to be sanctified. Because we're not just going to be saved and then boom, we're a completely different person. We're saved and then we work on that sanctification. And Christ does help us. He lives inside of us and helps us. But we have to put in the work. We see in Romans 6.19. I'm sorry, can't get to it. There it is. I am speaking to you in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So yes, sanctification comes only from the Father. But it comes as a result of us doing these works for the Lord. It comes solely with us doing these works for the Lord. Because we don't get saved and then boom, we're a different creature. We've just been thrown sanctification. No, it comes... As a result of us doing other things, we are being more and more sanctified. And see, just good works don't get it to you. See, you can't just have good works, then you get sanctified. Unless you've been saved first. It goes salvation. Good works leading to sanctification. And good works are a result of salvation. And sanctification is a work as a result of good works. So sanctification is a result of salvation. 
So once you get saved and you start doing these good works, you start becoming a slave to righteousness, that leads to sanctification. That leads to being made more like Christ. Another thing we're called to do by being sanctified is flee sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 For this is the will of God, your sanctification, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That's one of the things. When you've been sanctified, when you're doing this work to be sanctified, when sanctification comes from the good works you've been doing, when this being different comes from the good works you've been doing, you're going to flee sexual immorality. You're going to flee all other sins too, but sexual immorality is one of that one of those sins you're going to flee. And I feel like that's because that's stated there because that's a sin everyone struggles with or most people struggle with is the sin of sexual immorality. We also see in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2 to the church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ both their Lord and ours. When we get saved and we do these good works that lead to sanctification, we are called to act like saints. How do you act like saints? We had saints, we had a whole episode about it. being different. So you say, man, this requires a lot of work. It does, but we have the Holy Spirit that helps us get through it. We have the Holy Spirit that helps us get through it. So when we are being on the process of being made sanctified, when we are being made sanctified through our actions, we're to act like the saints of Christ. And I don't believe we will ever be 100% sanctified until heaven. We will never be 100% sanctified until we get to heaven. But we can live and be and strive for sanctification daily. Live the life of Christ. That's what sanctification is. The process of living the life of Christ. Not the, living a life that Christ would have us live. Living, doing things that Christ would have us do. That's sanctification. Being made sanctified. Then we see results of sanctification. Called the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another. Sorry. I took a picture of it, and the picture's not one, but another envying one another. That is found in Galatians 5.22-26. And when we have been sanctified, when we are being sanctified... The things that come are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous, and self-control. Those things come as a result of, our sancti- of us being sanctified. As we're being on the process of sanctification, those things come. Because we're living more and more like Jesus. And you could easily place, but Jesus is loving, joyful, pa- peace, patient, kind, Good, faithful, gentle, and he can exhibit self-control. So we strive to be more like Jesus on our road to sanctification. 
And the and a final thing we see in that instance is Hebrews 2.11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. You might be saying, what does that mean? And I'll say, he who sanctifies, that's Jesus. Because his death on the cross is the only way we can be saved and then sanctified by, by our actions. Because salvation doesn't come from actions, but the process of sanctification requires actions. And of course, the actual sancti- sanctity comes from Christ, because you can do all the good works you want to. After, even after you've been saved, if, if Christ wasn't a thing, but somehow salvation was. See, it's a, it's a whole weird scenario. Because, yeah, we do good works. But those good works could be just could be meaningless if Christ didn't give us the, the sanctification after salvation. Because it's a whole weird scenario. But as we say, everything comes from Christ. But we too must work for that sanctification. Because Christ isn't just going to give it to us right after salvation. We work for it. And then he gives it to us on our process of working for sanctification. We work, it's a process. But, so he who sanctifies, that's Jesus. And those who are sanctified, that's us. All have one source. One Father. Some people take that to mean Abraham. Some people take that to mean God. I believe it's God. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. We're brothers in Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. That means that on our road to sanctification, we must depend on our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because yes, sanctification does come from the Lord. I feel like I kind of made that a whole lot more confusing because I was kind of confused by it and still am a little bit. I'll be perfectly honest. But salvation comes from Christ. Sanctification comes from Christ. But sanctification is a result of our actions. Because once we get saved, if we're truly saved, we're going to live for Jesus. But sometimes when we get saved, we have this law where we're not really living for Jesus. We're not inherently living for the world, but we're not living for Jesus. Sanctification comes as a result of our actions after salvation when we've, when we're pursuing godly action. But the only way you can do that is, of course, with salvation, but also with godly friends. Because you can do it without your brothers and sisters in Christ. But it's a lot harder because you don't have people cheering you on and giving you a kick in the rear end when you need one. Comes from living the Christian life is what sanctification comes from. But it's only given by God. So I hope I didn't make that too confusing. But finally, we'll end the same way Paul ends 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself Sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So may God sanctify you, but may you work to be sanctified. May you do the actions you're supposed to do to be sanctified. And then God will sanctify. God will follow this process of sanctification. Because God's given you the salvation so you can do the good works. So even then, God's given you the the God's given you the salvation so you can do the good work. So then God sanctifies you through giving you salvation. So I hope I didn't make that too confusing. I feel like I did. And I'm really sorry for that. But hopefully you understand salvation and then the process of sanctification through good works. Good works don't save you by any means. But good works sanctify you once you've been oh, Christ sanctifies you. But the good works is how we show that we've been sanctified. There we go. Sanctification is the process of good works. 
that only come once we've been saved because I feel like I'm just making this more moments. I was really confused by this because yes, it comes from the Lord, but yes, it comes from our works too. So I hope that makes sense. And I hope I haven't really botched this. But I feel like I have. Sanctification comes from our works and Jesus. Given to us by Jesus as a result of our salvation and then the works we have that are pursuing Christ. So, hope this helped. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But with that being said, just pursue Christ on the process of sanctification. And that's all I have. So I'm going to pray and then we'll move into closing thoughts. Dear Lord, I, I thank you for this day and I thank you for all that you've done for us, God. And God, even though I'll be perfectly honest, I don't completely understand everything, God. But I thank you for sanctifying us, God. And for, for, and for saving us and giving us the ability to do good works so we can be sanctified, God. And God, just please help. The things we don't understand that we could understand them better, God. But God, even though we don't understand every detail about this sanctification, God, I know you do. And I understand that it comes from salvation and through doing works that honor you, God. And God, please help us to do those works. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Help us to never take you for granted. Help us to love you more and love each other more every day. And thank you again for Jesus. Help closing thoughts to honor you and help all those that need you in whatever way they do. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. So one thing that really hit me this morning as I was doing my quiet time, still in Exodus, Exodus 12, the last part of that, I believe, 43 this morning, verse 12, Exodus 12, 43, let me look, 46, Exodus 12, 46, and it's talking about the Passover lamb and how no bones of that lamb will be broken. Does that sound familiar? Well, it should. Let's fast forward to John 19. And then verse in Psalm also talks about it. Psalms. I wrote it down this morning. 3420. And John 19. Let's talk about how Jesus. No bones were broken with Jesus. So no bones were broken from the, the Passover lamb. And no bones were broken from Jesus on the cross. So you might be asking yourself. What does that mean? Why is that important? Well, there was a few thousand years, well, Old Testament is believed to be written over the course of 1,500 years. So say 1,000 years plus the 400 years in between. So a long time in between Exodus and Jesus. But it still screams Jesus, the Old Testament does. Youth pastor at New Hope right now, Ethan Whaley, says... And he's heard it from someone. He has told us who he heard it from, but I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, 
tells us that everything, tells the students at New Hope Youth Group, that everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. And we see that so much. And that's, that's kind of what's been on my heart. That things in the Old Testament point to Jesus. That's just one example. That the Passover lamb doesn't break a bone and Jesus doesn't break a bone. When he's on the cross, no bones are broken. So that being said, never take the Bible as anything less than the true inherent word of God. Because that's what it is. No other book has been written over the course of some thousand odd years. And then points to one person. And with 40 different authors, no discrepancies, all pointing to one Jesus. No other books like that. Trust me. Most books have maybe one, two authors. And they're not pointing to one person. Well, they might be pointing to one person if it's an autobiography. But they weren't written over a thousand year period by 40 different people. Bible was the only book like that. Always remember that. Never forget that. So that's all I have. Trust the Bible. Always. And yeah. So, hope you have gotten something out of this episode. Not because of me. 100% not because of me. But because of Christ. And let's always pursue His good works on the road to sanctification. And yeah, so still got some t-shirts left. Those are $20. Bumper stickers, bracelets, and pop sockets. Still have some of those. Those are all no charge to you. And yeah, so this, so got, got a few things on the agenda. There will probably be a video put up either the day before, either the day before this episode drops or the day of, the day after, somewhere along in there. So try to watch that video if it's already up, or keep your eye out for it because it's going to say some things that are really important to this summer of Lackadock. And yeah, so I don't think I have anything else. Keep your eyes and ears open for what might be happening this summer for the Lackadar family and what God might be doing through it. And I don't think I have anything else, so have a great week. I love you guys. Go point to the point. Goodbye.